Ephesians 4 verse 16 says this, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. It's talking about being full of love. Special shout out for all those who helped today uh, get set up in a little different switcheroo way. Uh, There's people out front guiding you in. Uh, Just props to all the hard work of everybody who set up and was doing hospitality. We appreciate you because you throw a curveball and you want to see how it's going to go. We're talking about the church. And leading up to Easter, I think it's incredibly fitting that we understand what God saw as our role in the world, right? And uh, we talked last week a little bit about the fact that we're the body of Christ, like that we're the, the body, like all of us put together are the body, we're the bride of Christ, we're the building of Christ, like where we go, God goes as with us, like we are the church, you are the church, and all of us put together fit perfectly to make this cool thing called love known in the world around us, to make Jesus known. And our big idea today is uh, God wants his church to be healthy. God wants his church to like be a radiant example of health in the world around us. And in Luke 5, verse 31 through 32... Jesus answered these guys who were putting him to the test. And he says this, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Seems obvious. I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. The vision God sent his son to accomplish was to be as a doctor to those who needed Their sicknesses healed. It was this visual of the miracle of medicine, the miracle of the the cure coming and being able to minister to those who were sick. Jesus was really focused on those versus the healthy. And I was thinking about this analogy, if you would, of doctor and sick and like our role as healthy people. Like when you go to a hospital... It does no good if all the doctors are sick, right? Like if they're all not good and you need to get better, you're in trouble. (laughs) And so I I remember hearing a a story of how God put his doctor in the right spot at the right time when we were first youth pastors. Uh, We had a friend who was taking some youth on on a retreat, a snow day. And I don't know whether it was on their way there or their way home from... Uh, up on Stevens Pass, but the Cedar Park Church van, gotta love 15 passenger top heavy vans, right? They had a van full of kids and, and a driver hit them and uh, the, the van tipped over and in the process cut his main, the youth pastor who was driving's main artery on his leg. And he's making his way across the snowy freeway trying to like find help. He just remembered crawling and then it went dark. <laughs> and he's like, what? You know, what's the chance that the car right behind them was a car full of 
physicians, surgeons, that were going to do the same thing, right? Have a fun day on the slopes up there in the snow. And saw Russ Jorgensen laying on the ground and rushed to his aid and saved his life. God needs healthy doctors because we never know when he's going to put us on the path of someone who needs health, who needs Jesus, spiritual health, our life. What a story, right? So what does church health look like? What does it look like to be the doctor? What does it look like to be a healthy church in the world that we live in? The cool thing is this book of Acts that's in the Bible. It's right after the Gospels. So these four books that share the story of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then Luke, the author of Luke, goes on to continue writing about the story of the first church in the book of Acts. So the church begins in this moment. You can see in Acts 2 how all these people decide to follow Jesus and the impact of that. Uh, And we're going to read the the conclusion of that. People are like, this thing called the church sounds cool. What do we do? And he says, well, you know, repent and and give your life to Jesus. Be baptized. And and then this is where we pick up the story. It says in Acts 2, 42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and sharing in meals including the Lord's Supper, and a prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all of the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property, their possessions, and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Each day. Isn't that crazy? This is the picture of church health, ultimately, that books and books are written by. uh, By many pastors out there in the world. Purpose-driven church is the main one that, like, churches can read and see how to be a healthy church. But the reality is it's this picture of people who are living in awe. They're trusting God. There's people added to their number daily. They're welcoming new people into their fellowship constantly. Healthy things grow. And we're going to talk about that next week. But this week, I want to focus on three practices that will help our life. It will help lead us into increased health spiritually, not only individually, but as a whole, as a church. The first practice is connecting with God and each other. Connecting with God and each other. Here you have, you, have you ever sat on a three-legged stool? I mean, normally they're four-legged, but you got to think about it. A two-legged stool would do no good. That'd be a ladder. Wouldn't work. I'd have to lean against something. Three-legged stool uh, would be kind of a little wobbly. That's why now they put four legs on. They're smart. But picture a three-legged stool. And that three-legged stool of the faith is to be practicing three things to really connect with God and each other. It's time in your Bible, time in prayer, and time in fellowship. What does that look like? Well, the Bible is more and more available in the world today than it's ever been in history. Ever been in history. It's on every electronic device. It's on your TV. It's on your phone. 
It's on your tablet. It's crazy where they've put, like the YouVersion Bible app, or you go Bible.com. I actually put the link in your digital handout if you're following along on the app. But a good starting point before you even get there, this is what I did when I was a new follower of Jesus. I took the handout that I was given at church, and like, it was a lot for me to process, like, where do I start reading the Bible? And so what I originally did is I took that handout, and during the week, at some point in time, I would reread the notes I took from Sunday. And I would just think on it. And I would think, man, how does this apply to my life? Like, what are these? I'd relook up the scriptures. That's why we put all the scriptures on the handout, whether on the app or the physical one. It's like, and I would reread it. The cool thing is on the app, it saves your notes. So you can go back and look at whatever service and, and, and you could see the notes you took. And you just, and you're able to review it and go, man, this is the application I felt I should follow through with this Sunday. And so I would do that during the week. But eventually, it's kind of like being a coffee drinker, which I admit, I have a coffee drinking problem. So thank you guys for your compassion. Uh, but anyway, I would drink coffee, and it's just, after a while, I need it darker. You know, I need a little stronger. I need a little more. And so if you're just using the notes or you're just opening your Bible on Sundays, you're going to feel that longing, that like yearning, that thirst for more. Well, how do you get that? You start a habit of like opening the Bible personally. And it could be your phone, it could be uh, a physical Bible, however, but just start to read it more often. And you might wonder, where do I start? Well, if you're using an app like YouVersion, there's, there's all kinds of reading plans on there that'll guide you. But if you just have a Bible and you're wondering where to start, start in James, start in Luke, I mean, or not Jeepers, start in John, I'll just grab one book, John, and then go to James. John and then James. Why John and then James? Because John's going to tell you how much God loves you. And James is going to tell you what to do with that love. That's, that's ultimately where you start. And then you can start to like shop around inside the Bible and read all over the place. But those two books are like John and James. And I'll try not to confuse you by naming all the other books when I'm trying to get to John. Anyway, so uh, that's, that's the reality of, of how I would do that. There's all kinds of plans, all kinds of options. Well, how do you do prayer? Like, so if I'm supposed to be in my Bible and, and exposing myself to the Bible to be healthy, like, praying is just awkward for me. I mean, I think that's something that we all, like, how do you pray? And how do you pray not only just by yourself, but with others? Cool thing is, is back in November, we preached a series called Heaven on Earth. And uh, you could go back and listen to that series, take notes on that series, and it will help you uh, grow, or it was Here as in Heaven was the name of the series. It'll help you grow into a disciplined prayer life, a healthy prayer life. Uh, but basically, prayer is simply talking to God. Sharing your, your hopes, sharing your frustrations. If you're my daughter that's reading a lot, it's sharing the entire story of what she read that day with God in prayer. Like, I'm dead serious when we're praying at bed. It's the cutest thing in the world. Lord, I just thank you for this book, and I thank you that Alex is doing this and this and this in the book. I mean, she's filling God in what is written in this book. It's pretty hilarious. But, you know, pr that's prayer. Like, that is prayer. Prayer is talking to God and, and sharing your doubts and your worries and your hopes, and it's it's just being genuine with God. 
It's also taking some of those scriptures you've been reading and like praying those into your world. Like, Lord, you said that you're going to rebuke the devourer if I'm faithful to you. And man, my current vehicle is a devourer, you know? It keeps wanting my money and tires and breaking down. And when I hit the brakes, I don't think that sound is natural. But I'm not putting another penny in because I'm praying this scripture over my car. Anyway, you could do that, not, not knowing who would be praying that prayer right now. Dear Lord. Uh, one of the greatest books out there is uh, Circle Maker. Uh, Mark Batterson writes this book about praying circles around things. And, and it's through these old analogies. I won't get into describing or ruining the whole book or being the spoiler alert guy. But... There is something powerful about praying around things in your world. I love walking around communities and just praying for the community as I'm there. Circling, I really like Buckley. I like to pray around Buckley and just pray God's blessing and reestablishment over that downtown corridor, you know. It's got such potential And you just go, you know, pray around your home. Pray around your neighborhood. Pray around your kids' rooms. However you can do that, you want to just pray circles, right? Pray with others. Invite others. And that's that's what leads us to fellowship because you got to pray in groups at times and celebrate as a group, mourn as a group. Fellowship is that. Unique word, they say, man, you got it. They were together constantly. I mean, they were not only going to the temple together. They were breaking bread together. They were doing communion in their homes. They were, uh, which is the Lord's Supper, they call it there. Uh, they, were, uh, they were eating meals together. Like, they weren't just seeing each other once a week. They were seeing each other constantly. And they loved it. They didn't do it because they had to. They were being richly blessed by being together, it says. Joy was experienced because they were together. And I know it's not easy to make it. I know, like, even when you talk about groups, and we're, like, halfway through this group session, we'll take a break during spring break and then jump back into another group session after that. But I look at the groups, and it's like, it's inconvenient. And maybe, you know, you have kids, and they usually go to bed earlier. But there's something about having a meal together, in a conversation together, and watching your life sharpen life in a room. It's worth the sacrifice. It's worth consistently carving out time to do life with each other. Do faith with each other. Because God has shaped us to be connecting with him and each other. We're not intended to go through life alone. When we're down, we should have somebody there with us. When we need a meal, somebody should be bringing a meal. The easiest relationship to do that are those within your group. Life on life. So Bible prayer and fellowship is the way we connect with God and each other. But how about practice number two? Serving God and each other. Really four thoughts here. I think God gives us eyes and ears for a reason. And he tells us throughout scripture... Uh, you can read passages where he says, those who have eyes to see, let them see. He'll also say things like, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Well, why, do, why does he say that? Well, because 
he's going to show us the things that will impassion our life to be on mission with him. Like, we'll see things the person right next to us doesn't see. We'll hear things the person right next to us doesn't hear. And it's not their problem for not hearing it. It's our benefit from seeing it or hearing it. So we got to have ears. We have two of them, right? Uh, we got to have eyes. We have two of them. Those eyes, we're going to see things that maybe we can gain a passion for. And at Open Life, we were just talking this week about it. I was sharing with someone about it a couple weeks ago. The reality of how we like to lead is we're people leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus, which means, like, you might say, I have a passion for feeding the hungry. Awesome. Is there a specific thing you've seen or need you've witnessed that you're talking of? Well, it's this community right here, and it's this burden, and man, I would love to make a difference in that. Open Life wants to come alongside of your burden and passion. Versus what might be a difference is, maybe you've been in other environments where they're trying to pitch a burden. And yeah, there's this, you got to show up, you got to show up, you got to show up. But they're trying to pitch something they saw versus you experienced and are passionate about. We like to just flip it around. We like to fan your passion into flame. We want to help your burden. So when somebody says, man, I see this need for speak up for the poor. There is people in Bangladesh. They're being sold into slavery and marriages when they're nine years old. Can we make a difference? Absolutely. Let's pick them up as a strategic partner. It wasn't found by open life. It was found by a family of open life. You know, it's just different things like that. We kind of, you're the eyes, right? You're the ears. Same concept. It means... Listening in the Old Testament, just in my devotions this week on version, they were talking about the power of the word listen in the Old Testament. And they were talking about uh, the reality of, of this word not just meaning, meaning to hear. Listen in the Old Testament often is to hear and take action. All in one word, listen. When we hear the needs of the community around us when we hear somebody needs help when we hear the rumblings of a need that we witness that's God allowing us to pick something up and have accountability to carry it forward he gives us ears not just to hear but to take action it's an interesting process well how do we take action the final two elements of serving we do it through commitment and faithfulness. So commitment is not just saying that we witnessed a need. Commitment is saying we're going to stay consistently after this need until it no longer exists. We're going to stay at this. Like I am going to serve and serve and serve. I am going to commit to feeding 100% of the hungry at Thanksgiving through Community Big Give. And we're going to continue to do it and continue to do it and continue to I'm going to commit to doing Christmas gifts for Liberty Ridge Elementary School. And we're going to stay faithful to it. And we're going to wrap the gifts. And we're going to give incredible gifts. You know, it's that whole reality of being faithful. We don't bring food instead of the gifts on the tag. We give the gifts on the tag. We want to be faithful to the tag, right? I think sometimes we make commitments 
And then we let our faithfulness wane. It's like serving on a serve team. It's easy to say, man, I, I, I want to be a smiling face. I, wa- I want to welcome people at the top of the stairs. By the way, we would love for you to join any of our serve teams here. But it's like, I want to be a part of a serve team. It's easy to say that, check the box, and then not reply to the schedule or the email or decline all the dates you're scheduled to serve. It's easy. What God's looking for is both eyes, ears, commitment, and faithfulness. There's ability to make a difference in somebody's life. It could be your smiling face when you get out of your car in the parking lot. That changes somebody's world because they sense that you're welcome, right? They sense that they're welcome. So we want to keep things going for the long haul. We want to serve well. We want to get involved. And then practice number three, sharing with God and each other. So we're connecting with God and each other. We're serving God and each other. And we're sharing with God and each other. What's sharing? What is this? God wants us to live in a way that our life is like an open hand instead of a tight fist. I think we tend in our world today to hold on to things a little too securely. When in all reality, everything's his. He's allowing us to steward it, right? He's allowing us to take care of his stuff. Everything under the sun is God's. And if we walk through life with that mindset, that with an open hand, and we don't cling to things that God wants, God wants to be first in our life versus these things we hold so dearly and tightly to, man, we're going to be able to release things that bind us, like time, talent, treasures. You read in the book of Acts, like they were extreme. They're selling stuff, giving it to the poor. This week... I had the opportunity to, to be the master of ceremonies at a youth summit in Sumner. And the speaker, Eugene Cho, challenged everybody in the room. He shared about how one year they were led by God to give up a year's wages and give it to those who were in need around the globe. And so they, they saved up for three years, sold everything, and then gave that final year, their entire year of income to those in need around the world. I was like, okay, you're unbelievable right open hand open hands and open hearts reality is when you live with an open hand and you live life open when you're when you're put your heart out there it's gonna get hurt but yet we've got to live with open hearts people around us need the love of God and we've got to live a life that's open to extend that to anybody and everybody It's an honor to represent God's love to the community around us. To let more people in. Isn't it interesting that it's easy after a while doing church. You know, we're eight years old, but you can do church long enough, and then all of a sudden you're like, well, I kind of like it the size it is. It's like us four no more. Let's, let's, it's too many new people. Let's close it down. Man, this Acts, in the book of Acts, they added to their number like 3,000 right before Acts 2.42. And God continued to add to their number daily. I don't think there's ever a time he says, stop. That's enough people saved the rest of the planet. Sorry, missed it. You know, that's not God. He desires that none perish. So we got to somehow open up our hearts. One of our fears, I think, is, well, if there's too many people, how am I going to 
like, I can't love more people. I can't invite more people into a relationship with my life. Really. Ask any parent if they stopped loving the second child. Oh, I, I just looked at my second. Anyway, so, you know, uh, um, by one minute, I didn't stop loving you, Jenna. But anyway, the, uh, uh, the, the no, but like the third child, I, I, I've told the story before. I was nervous. I was like, I love these twins so much. And then Jaden was coming, right? And I was like, is this, can I love this child as much as I love the twins? I was nervous. And you know what God did? He didn't make me divide my love. He increased the size of my capacity to love. I can't imagine, Debbie, with the size of your family, how big your heart is. You know what I'm saying? And and just going, the bigger the family, the bigger the love. The bigger the church family, the healthier we are, the bigger our capacity to love. It doesn't change. We don't have to close the doors and lock them and say we can't love any more people. Can't love any more communities. we got to stop multiplying. We can't do this. No. Open hands. So one way to help you see this practically, these six categories, if you will, like three things, right? Connecting with God and each other, serving God and each other. But if you look at it as categories, like build yourself a little chart, right? And you're going to have six things here, and you're going to have one to ten, and you're going to rate yourself. And you're going to say, man, I right now in connecting with God am around two. I don't read my Bible. I don't refer to the notes I take during the course of the week. I don't even listen to Christian radio. Uh, I've never sung a worship song yet. Uh, you know, there's all these things. You can kind of go, yeah, I've got a lot of area to grow in connecting with God. So I'll rate myself a three, say, two or three. What would it look like to go to a four? Maybe in connecting with each other. You're like, yeah, I've never done a small group. Um, I, I don't like, I've never prayed with anybody else in a room. Uh, I'm, uh, uh, you know, but I love Jesus. A four. <laughs> you know, I don't know. But you, if you could go down each, connecting with God, you, you would give yourself a number. Connecting with each other, you give yourself a number. Serving God, you give yourself a number. Serving each other, you give yourself a number. If you go down that six things and start to go, where am I at? The space in between, if you rate yourself as a three and ten, when you're in heaven, basically, <laughs> is when you get to ten. But it's like, how do I grow? Like, what can I do to impact this arena of spiritual health, this practice in my life? It says this in Luke eleven thirty six: If you're filled with light, with no dark corners, then your whole life will be radiant. As though a floodlight were filling you with light. God's desire is that we would have no dark corners. The title of today's talk. And that means that the things that life bring, that that come at your life over time, that fill your life up, you know, maybe you made a mistake as a, you watch the wrong television shows, all you think about are zombies now, you know, you filled your, you put, you deposited, you know, maybe you sent your kid to Wazoo, um, (laughs) Throw that in there for free. Glad you're here, Isabel. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I don't know. You, 
Any teenagers getting their driver's license? You get in a fender bender. <laughs> don't tell the parents. That'd be bad. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. You make these choices that fill your life with things. And that space between like 3 and 10 is the, is the dark spaces. And if we're comfortable, if we're just saying, I'm not going to grow in this area of my life, we allow things to come into our life that deteriorate from this radiant, clear example that existed you know, we develop wrong relationships in high school. We choose the wrong friends. Show me your friends. I'll show you your future. You know, and then maybe we take a job that makes us uh, compromise our character and integrity to get the next to the next level or the next bonus. And, and we're feeling convicted about that. Um, you know, and we, we pile in. And then all of a sudden we look at our life and we're like, oh, I don't feel very good about the stuff that I've put into my world. What do I do now? And so that's when we find ourselves making our way to church. And we walk into church and we come for a Sunday and we drink it up. We're like, this is, this is pretty cool, right? I'm enjoying this. This is like that worship is, is awesome. This, this is impacting. This is us improving our health. This is the application, right? Uh, this is me taking it up a number. I'm going to go, and, man, I'm going to go a second Sunday in a row. Oh, yeah, I'm really getting something out of this. This is, this is powerful. This feels good to me, like I no longer feel dry inside. But those around me uh, really aren't noticing a difference yet, Pastor Thad. I don't know what's going wrong because uh, I feel like I'm coming to church, but nothing's happening. I even, man, I slipped a tip in the, in the offering this Sunday. I... I actually threw a little bit of a, a 20. I threw a 20 from my wallet in the offering bucket. So God's got to love me today, right? Because I, I, I shared, you know. Um, I'm, I offered to serve. I haven't replied to the serve email that came to me, but I offered to serve. I'm going to decline that when it comes to me. But, and then all of a sudden, things, <laughs> there's some internal jokes there. For those who do the scheduling, the decline button is the great evil. But anyway, the, uh, um, all of a sudden something happens. Maybe you sign up for a group and you show up in a room that just embraces you, loves you. You're eating a meal together and you're just talking about why the Huskies should win in overtime for a change, right? And all of a sudden something happens in your life and you feel elevated. It's like something good just happened. And some of the consequences of life went away. And then, you know, you start to open your Bible on your own and something happens. You know, this illustration's not working the way it's supposed to work right now. These are all supposed to be floating to the top as per the agreement I had with the ping pong balls. Uh, the, uh, let's see if I can motivate these things to... Float. I think they got wedged in there. How funny. What? Oh, there they go. How funny would that be if the illustration doesn't work? Okay, moving on. Uh, but you start to fill your, yourself with right things. And presumably, if the illustration... There, they're, they're literally getting stuck. How funny is this? All these things begin to float out of your life. The Holy Spirit reaches his finger into your soul. And uh, whatever works, right? And the sin and the junk starts to float away. You're thinking I didn't think through this, right? Oh, there's more. 
And then, you know, the Lord keeps pouring into your life and you start hearing thoughts of, man, I, I really love these videos I see of people, refugees, and I'm like broken over the fact that people have no home and I want to make a difference in their life. And I want to, I, I, I see foster kids and I hear about the crisis in foster care and I have an extra bedroom. And man, I really think maybe we should enter into to foster care. And God starts to speak to your life and you start to just watch more of the past. Now, interesting enough, right here, if you're back in the back of the room and people are far from you still, what are they going to see? They're still seeing the ping pong balls of your past. Now they notice there's a little something different in you. But they're still seeing this, right? That's just the way our world works, unfortunately. But if you keep taking in the things God challenged you to take in, eventually all this stuff, with a little help of the Holy Spirit, is going to pour out and look at your life. And you know what's going to happen? The enemy's going to come your way again. And, and he's going to tempt you. Some website pull up on your computer that used to tempt you. And he's going to try to, you know, but look at that. It barely sticks, and you keep going back to church, and the Holy Spirit just knocks that stuff right out of your life. This is a radiant example of the church. This is a healthy church. This is a healthy individual. This is a healthy church. And just like life, if we stop pouring in, it dries up. And then it makes room for those ping-pong balls of death or whatever, uh, to come into your world and jam everything up instead of floating out like the illustration is supposed to work. But I want to challenge us today. Am I, you know, what are you going to do to increase to the next step? We got a couple applications that we processed, uh, a couple groups that are new that we think will be health to the church. I'm going to toss these out, and you can come up with more applications than this on your own. But two thoughts we had. What are a couple things we could do to make the church more healthy? One, something we've talked about for quite a while, is have a prayer group. What's a prayer group? Well, it is some, it, it's a group of people that will sign up for an interest-based group, it's on the app, or I didn't do a physical printout. Just go on the website uh, and, and say, yeah, I'm willing to pray for needs that are out there. We get requests every weekend on Connect Cards, and we pray for them as a staff. But how powerful would it be if we strengthen the church by praying for the needs that are in the church throughout the week? So this prayer group would get like an email with prayer requests that... People don't mind being shared. Maybe requests are made online during the week and it's something urgent. Like my dad's going in for surgery. I need help. You know, we could shoot that out to the prayer group. So that's one thing. We think that would strengthen the church. We would serve each other better to be praying for one another. We do it in groups right now, but what would it look like if we did it as a church? Second thing, and this is kind of interesting. This, we've never done this, but it's, it's a meals group. Take them a meal group. What would it look like if the church rallied around people in times of need. Now, we do it right now, but we just do it by like, oh, who would be interested in this? But, man, when somebody's having a baby, how awesome is it to have meals for a few weeks afterwards, right? 
or if somebody, if a parent is having a surgery and they're going to be down for a couple weeks, what would it be like to uh, be able to serve that family during a time of surgery or whatever? What would it look like during funerals or whatever we could do to help families in time of need that are part of open life? So these two groups, you can get to them through the next steps page. Sign up for them. Let's serve the church well. And the funny thing is, you're going to find yourself going, I have no idea who that is that just had a baby this week, right? Who's Jessica? Baby born on Thursday? But they need meals. Well, I'll take them a meal and I'm going to meet Jessica. All of a sudden we start meeting the family, the body, the building, us, the people that we call church. I just think there's a lot of areas. I think that'll take our health in the area of serving one another from where it's at as a, you know, five to a six. But there's so many more opportunities to serve each other. And I want to pray for you that God would show you what area in your life there's opportunity to take a step of growth, to improve. And I want to send out of here challenged to be healthy spiritually today. God, I thank you for the opportunity you've given us to serve you, to love you with everything we have in our life. And you challenge us not to stay where we're at, but you challenge us to grow. Grow in the area of connecting with you and each other. Grow in the areas of serving you and each other. Grow in the areas of of sharing our life with you and each other. Our time, talents, treasures. God, I pray that in the coming weeks, months, years, we would see a pivotal impact, that our life would go from being full of the ping pong balls of of our past to this clear representation of the radiance of God to the world around us. Let us be patient. Let us allow time for that change to take place, your Holy Spirit to reach in and stir things up in our life. And I pray that God, we would be your healthy church that is open-handed, welcoming in people who are added to our number daily, who are making a decision to follow you. Thank you for this challenge today. Thank you for this place to meet. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.